3: You're very welcome to Midweek Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. I'm just seeing the news there. Shane Larry. you know Shane the golfer. He's playing in the Wyndham Championship. His clubs have gone missing. So there you are. Even the the greatest of the great can have trouble when they're travelling as well. God, if he doesn't have his clubs, he'll be in bother for sure. But I'm sure the manufacturers will wing a set out to him one way or the other. Welcome to the show. We have lots of uh, guests for you over the next couple of hours. Music tied in there as well and more besides. But we begin today talking about climate and the environment. The IFA last week said it's a potentially devastating blow for farming, livelihoods and the rural economy could possibly be wrecked. Yes, you know last week agreement was reached finally on a cut in emissions and farming agriculture will have to bear a 25% cut. It was to be between 22 and 30% but they've settled at 25%. And of course, on late lunch, he's the friendliest farmer we know. He's passionate about his agriculture Ellum Grove, Ellum Grove Farm is a mixed farm up at Gormans Town County Mead he's a columnist with the uh, Independent Newspaper Group and broadcaster of course with RT on Ear to the Ground Darren McCullough welcome back to the show
2: Thanks so so much for having me, Jerry.
3: Not at all. Dara, look, you, the words of the IFA, a potentially devastating blow for farming. Mm-hmm. Just for listeners today, and there's a lot to take in here, Dara, would you just explain, or, 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 and, and can I be the layman here, is it mostly about the national hair, dairy and beef we're talking about here?
2: I think that's what's going to boil down to, Gerry, um, even though the politicians will deny it until the cows come home, if you looks used upon. pun. Mm. Um... You know, in theory, on paper, there's lots of things that farmers can and are already doing, like, you know, changing how they spread slurry. You know, you don't see so many uh, sorry spreaders anymore firing the stuff up in the air, it's all being injected into the soil the same with the type of fertiliser that's going into the fertiliser spreaders they have these, you want to get into the nerdy stuff, it has a little waxy coating on it now which actually prevents the, um, the, the nitrogen in the uh, fertiliser from evaporating into the sky as fast, so there's all these little technologies and little tricks and um, I suppose changes that are happening kind of invisibly at farm level to try and reduce the amount of emissions but I think you know, if, if people are being honest with themselves, uh, we know that humans are humans and you're not going to get 100% of farmers doing the right thing 100% of the time. Um, yes. And that can be for a whole host of reasons, not because a guy is feckless or that he's, he just doesn't care. It, it may be that, you know, he's 80 years of age, um, he's semi-retired, um, he has a few cows at the back, he's not going to go and invest a pile of money in changing the technology of how we farms and so I don't think it's realistic that we're going to have some kind of magic bullet in technology and we are going to be looking at uh, fewer animals in the national herd.
3: And when you talk about that, you know, the impact on people is real and palpable. And as you say, something that people have been working at for years and years. Mm. Does it basically mean, you know, reducing herds significantly, perhaps for some people? Some people getting out of the business altogether dairy and beef. This this is the reality, is it?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I must admit to feeling slightly conflicted when I look at some of the news reports and hear some of the statements and claims by farm representatives on this. I mean, there is no doubt that this is a seriously hot potato. Uh, People and farmers have taken a lot of pride in building up their herds in the breeding that goes into them. You know, anybody who, you know, I've just Taking on a new pup, and it's a pedigree German Shepherd, and you know the amount of people that come up to me on the beach or on the street or whatever um, to say, "Oh, look at your dog!" And I have a German Shepherd. People are, get very passionate about breeding, about what is in their animals. And if you think about, you know, you might uh, the amount of passion that uh, somebody has about their pet. Think about a farmer who spends every waking hour thinking about their herd, the breeding, where to go next, how what's the best mating all that. So it's only natural that farmers are very worked up and very, um, I suppose, touchy about this subject. However, I think it's over-egging it to say that fellas are going to be, people are going to be put out of business um, because there there may be some herd reductions in the pipeline. Um, I think a more realistic scenario is that probably be, and this hasn't been agreed, we've agreed the target the overall target for, for the sector um, but nobody has um, started drilling down into mm. what this means, you know, of what percentage of reduction we need in the national heart. If I was to look into a crystal ball and guess um, I would say we're probably looking at reductions of about 10%. Now, Let's look abroad and see what happened in other countries. For example, the Netherlands, another great agricultural powerhouse, and Netherlands famous for vegetables and flowers, but actually also has a huge dairy industry, and. They had such an intensive livestock sector over there with the pigs and the cows that um, their emissions and and the pressure on the waterways and everything else were uh, off the charts. So there was a forced call of their national herd. They had to reduce their numbers by about 10%. Um, and that was hundreds of thousands of cows stripped out of the system. Mm. It didn't mean that farmers all went to the wall. It meant that uh, their their earning power in certain circumstances was reduced. And I think this this is the real uh, nobody issue. So if you ask, um, I, I, and again this is super sensitive, and I get myself into all kinds of trouble, mm. and you know lots of farmers disagree with me. And yes. uh, mine's just one take on this, right? But you know, my in my opinion a lot of uh, beef farmers out there are part-time. They're not relying on their beef cattle for a living. Now, there are full-time beef farmers out there and they do rely on their, their herd for a living. But the, the of the 100,000 beef farms that are out there, um, the vast majority of them are part-time operators. So the guy or the woman is going off during the day, they're um, working in a factory or whatever they're doing, and they come home and they even. Get, the beef farm is like their golf course. Yeah, it's their hobby, right? Yes. And they expect to make a few bob out of it because they're working at it but they're not reliant on it okay so if they have to reduce their animals by 10% it's not the end of the world and they will be probably compensated for mm. that okay there'll be some kind of a, a, a retirement cow retirement scheme for the want of a better uh, phrase now the dairy guy is probably the more complicated sensitive and controversial one because number one they're the guys that probably can have the biggest impact if like their cows emit more and so, any reduction you have in dairy cows is going to have the biggest impact. But it's also going to have the biggest impact on a, a person's uh, income. So, yes. a cow this year, dairying is going through a good p- patch at the moment. And as a rough rule of thumb, and again, there'll be people disagree with me on this, but as a rough rule of thumb, a dairy farmer is earning about a thousand euros per cow. Right? So, he's got a hundred cows. You're probably earning about a hundred thousand euros this year. Now. You know, some of that will go back into reinvestment in the farm and all the rest of it. But if you ask him to reduce or her to reduce her uh, cow numbers by 10%, that's 10 grand less. So how do, we, um, how do we bring dairy farmers with us on this journey, right? Because, uh, you know, society has agreed um, that it, for the benefit of society and the globe, Uh, the global, um, the world, that we should reduce emissions. So, in my opinion, it shouldn't be a straight handout because that will, you know, we'll never find an agreement. But there are sort of ways of doing this, Jerry. I think we need to start thinking outside the box. And for example, if you said to every dairy farmer there, lads, you know what, we need you to reduce your herd by 10%, but we're going to allow you to put up solar panels on your shed and the electricity that you generate from them, you can sell to the grid and you get the same price for it as anybody else who's generating electricity. And that would be a game changer. It could replace the income that they're missing from the cows. It could help uh, the switch to renewable energy. And it hasn't happened so far because... Again, in my opinion, we have a monopoly called ESB Networks controlling the national grid, and they don't really want every time they can harry sticking power into the grid because it makes their life a bit more complicated. Mm. But, Jerry, the bottom line is life has got more complicated. That yes. horse has bolted, and our backs are to the wall. Yeah,
3: that's, a, that's just one example of, of a really good suggestion, one that is practicable and can be implemented. And you're right, we got to get more people able to connect into the grid. And Dara, I understand what you're saying today for people is very hard to listen to because, you know, uh, we pride ourselves on our beef, we pride ourselves on our dairy products as well, and they're renowned across Europe and the world, and we know the affinity with this as well. But there is, as you say, the bigger global picture. Is there any scope just to put something to you you know where the difficulty with grain in Ukraine at the moment, mm-hmm. is there a potential in Ireland to go more down that road to grow more here
2: well, if you look out your windows and anyone who 's um, listened to Lmfm in the Loudmead Mead area or even Dublin or beyond in this kind of area of the northeast and the east coast um, You'll notice, or maybe we're kind of blind to it, but we have, uh, we have very little scope for extra tillage in this area. Nearly every field mm. that is ploughable is already in tillage. Um, you'll find that slightly hillier areas in the counties are um, dominated by grassland and generally dominated by dairy cows. Bit of sheep, bit of beef. But we don't have a lot of scope, is the bottom line either here in the east or if you, you say like, well, sure, what about all that land in the west um, that is underutilised or that has beef cows or sheep roaming around in it? Well, the reason that, you know, it's mainly uh, used for farming dry stock is because it's not that plowable. And so, you know, farmers are are not dopes. Mm. They they do things for a reason. So the reason that uh, a fella is gen- growing grass is because his land type suits it, yes. and he's already set up for it. And so, you know, I, I, I'm lucky enough to be in partnership with my neighbour on a dairy farm, and we milk a lot of cows through that partnership. But you know. Joe isn't going to start to go out in the morning and, uh, first of all, buy a plough because he doesn't own one and go start ploughing up his fields because he needs those fields to feed his cows. And he needs the cows to pay off the mortgage on the milk and parlour. And he needs the milk parlour to keep producing milk. Uh, And so, you know, there's a reason why all the fields are doing what they do. Yes, Yes, you you can tweak the dial a little bit, but bear in mind, the government tried to do this earlier on this year they announced that look at lads anybody who plants an extra acre of grain this year would pay I can't remember the exact figure but let's call it something like 200 or 300 euros an acre something like that mm. basically a handout to go and switch your fields into extra grain growing it made almost no difference there was a little bit extra grain grown but the bottom line is that most farmers are locked into a system and they they don't have wriggle room yes
3: so look at that's good to answer that because that's you know when pub talk and conversation that comes up indeed it comes up in the media too let me say in print radio and tv is there any other scope for diversification you are very diversified in what you do
2: yeah i mean i'm a bit of a head case farmer in some respects <laughs> in that we've, we've we've practically tried everything here so if I look out the window here I'm, I'm talking to you in my little mobile home slash farm office here and look out the window I'm looking at Christmas trees and just beyond the Christmas trees are polytunnels and I'm growing uh, lily flowers in the polytunnels mm. And just beyond that, there's a crop of wheat. And across the road, there's a crop of spuds. And uh, across from that, then there's a crop of daffodils. And uh, the cows are over the way there, a few fields away from us. We also have turkeys and we have hens. And, you know, we, we've tried all kinds of different things. We went into, you know, we started a little shop at the road. We started selling our flowers online during COVID. And all of these things help But I can tell you, I was, I've fried my brain a couple of times over by trying to jump into all these things and get my head around them and and make them work. And it's not easy. And, most farmers, and I can do it I suppose to a certain extent because A, I've travelled around the country and all over the place looking at different people and different systems and what what they can do. So I've had that benefit and I also have a lot of people working for me so I can tell this fellow, oh yeah listen you go over there now and we'll start uh, sticking up an extra tunnel. But for most farmers, the majority of the 130,000 farmers out there, they're one man band operations and they just don't have the wherewithal to go and suddenly re invent their system and like we've tried lots of things over the years as well we tried growing lilies outdoors in the field and we were growing great for the first year or two and then we suddenly realised oh jeepers botrytis a disease because we get so much rain in Ireland compared to where lilies are grown like for fun in, in Holland we just weren't able to do it so but then we had to stick up polytunnels and grow them in there. And that's a more expensive system and we can grow a certain amount in there. But we can't grow the same scale as what we do in daftas, for example, because daftas grow great outdoors. And that means then we can grow a surplus of daftas to the Irish market requirements and export. And then you become really competitive. And so Irish farmers have... Specialise in the things that they can that they can export. So you're talking your meat, you're talking your dairy, and in my case, you're talking your daftos. All the other stuff is kind of just. We're lucky because we're on the side of the road and there's a lot of traffic go by us every day, and they buy flowers from us. But we can't really scale that up any more than yes. the amount we can sell at the gate. So th- there are limitations on what people can do, and even like, I mean, I talking about frying my head. I mean. We so we started selling flowers at the gate there. I was going great and sure, you know. Then I was thinking, Do you know what? We need to build a shop here because you know people. It's a bit of a, a risk on the road, a bit of a hazard. Man, the hoops I've been going jumping through to get planning permission. I had to get ecology reports. I had to get road engineer reports. I had to get reports on this, that and the other to try, so I've spent 10 grand just looking for planning permission for a shop, I haven't laid a block yet now I've been lucky, I got the planning permission and fingers crossed we'll be able to take the next step, but it, it you know, it's not for the faint-hearted.
3: Yeah, and the point you make, uh, and it's it's multiplied and magnified se- several times when you look at this bigger picture. Anyway, I'm going to leave it there today with this thought, with your thoughts, and 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 you're you're your so great to come on and talk as honestly as you do, as always, to us. Just in a word, it, yeah. this has to happen. It has to move on, and it
2: will. Yes, yeah. maybe. Um Maybe. I think the, the 25% is is very ambitious Jerry mm. um and I'm not overly optimistic that a we're going to uh, hit it and b that there isn't going to be ructions in the process. And I, I know I'm going, you wanted a word, but just let me for one second give you one example. Uh, the first time I ever heard and reported on a just transition was for the Bordemona workers who were told they were going to get 10 years, that there was going to be this wind down of the peat burn plants and they could reskill and basically change their careers. It happened in less than a year, Jerry, and I didn't call that a transition or just. And I fear that the same is heading down the tracks for the ag culture community.
3: Very interesting. Anyway, last word to me. Socks and sandals we were talking about on Late Lunch recently, and then I saw the pictures of the wellies and the shorts and Darren McCullough. (laughs) Stay away from those wellies and shorts because you'll have born rings round uh, the top of your leg. It's lovely to talk to you. Thanks so much. You're very welcome, Terry. Good luck. (laughs) Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's uh, Darren McCullough there with some interesting thoughts indeed uh, on the future of agriculture. Louise has just told me Shane Larry got his clubs back. Oh, the relief, the relief. Uh, in North Carolina, they'd been sent to a hair airport in Chicago. What is going on with people's luggage? Did you see the story as well about the shark attack in Penzance, Cornwall? Uh, there were people out snorkeling and one of them was bitten the leg by a blue shark. First time anyone's ever been attacked in uh, these waters of these islands in for years and years. But here's the thing, folks. You can't blame the sharks in this case, because you see, they were feeding the sharks with rubby-dubby, attracting them in to where they were, and then they decided to get into the water and go snorkelling with them. Well, when a shark is having his rubby-dubby, if your leg gets in the way, good luck to you, you're in big, big trouble. Anyways, yeah, shark attack in Cornwall. What were they at? What were they thinking of at all? People, common sense. It doesn't go hand in hand. It's been a while, but I'm so delighted to say hello to my next guest on the show. Just to remind you, his career on the West End began with Le Mis back in 2008. Since then, he's played various parts, and listen to this, Phantom of the Opera, Billy Elliot, The Commitments, Memphis, Kinky Boots, on the West End and Broadway, before returning to play Jean Valjean, the lead role in Les Mis, and now the Phantom himself, on its revival at Her Majesty's Theatre, in London. Killian Donnelly, good afternoon.
4: I always love your intros to me, Jerry. I always love them and I always love the way you say Kinky Boots. <laughs> you remind me of my father. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just it's instantly home because I'll be at a stage door and I can always spot the Irish people because they go I saw you in Kinky Boots. You are brilliant.
5: <laughs> How are you? <laughs>
3: I love that accent as well. It's as if you never left us here, and you still haven't. By the way, that meeting at the back door—I mentioned it before when Miriam and myself met you in London after yeah. is It is a thing you love, isn't it? That meeting people.
4: Oh, absolutely, and it's completely uh, a touch of home because immediately, immediately, what we talk about is who did you fly with, mm. when did you get in, where are you staying. And do you know the tube map? Are you all right? And uh, how are you getting back to the airport? Those are the things we actually focus on and talk about more than anything, more than the show, more than anything. It's actually funny that we're talking about accents because uh, uh, we have an Australian director directing Phantom of the Opera uh, in London. So it was quite funny for him to come up to me and go, can you tell me the way you're pronouncing anywhere? anywhere you go let me go too and I'm like going well I, I I say it like I say it anywhere and he goes yeah over here they like anywhere <laughs> and I was like okay I'll I'll try and sing that tonight and I came to the moment when I had to sing it and I just went oh no and I threw out the biggest Navin accent I've ever done in my life and just went anywhere you go Christine that's all I ask for you <laughs>
3: <laughs> and you know what? Your accent's your it accent, works. as you know. And it, it works, works, and people understand it anywhere. I must remember that one for the future. Anyway, you're packing them in. The reviews
4: are outstanding. It's going well. It's going well. I think we're like touch wood. Um, a lot more tourists are coming back to us. They feel yes. safer to travel now, which is a good thing. So, yeah, it's it, Phantom is always that show that will never leave. And Phantom kind of makes... As they say, the West End and Broadway isn't the West End and Broadway without the Phantom of the Opera. And it's bizarre because we're on Monday to Saturdays. We have two shows on a Thursday, two shows on a Saturday. But our biggest selling show is actually on Monday and a Tuesday night. Like they're always sold out before anything, because I think it's people like to start their work week if they go to a show phantom seems to be the one that they always love to just go and enjoy a nice musical it's it's not too heavy it's quite light and the the music of course is is so famous so i think mm. i think they really like to pack it in. it's amazing when they turned around i was like fridays and saturdays are obviously our big seller and they're like no we're sold out fridays and saturdays but the mondays and tuesdays for the future few weeks are already sold out so things like that are are interesting when you when you hear it but um yeah, definitely the tourists are back, which is which is incredible.
3: Oh, it's great. And, of course, it is one of the longest-running musicals in West End history. What's it like being back? You were a role before, and now you're back as the main man, the Phantom.
4: It's so weird. It's so weird because, like, I used to knock on the Phantom's door, which was played by uh, a man called John Owen Jones when I was role, And I'd walk up to and I'd go, hi, how are you? And he'd be in the chair getting his makeup done and that would take about an hour and he wouldn't be able to turn his head because the makeup you have to be facing the mirror they put a ball cap they put all prosthetics on you and there's like three makeup people working on your head basically as you're reading a book or looking on the phone so you wouldn't be able to actually turn and engage with someone so I'd talk to the side of his head and you'd walk away feeling a bit (laughs) deflated, going oh god he doesn't want to talk to me now, whenever there's a knock at the door, I don't look at anyone in the eye because I'm in the, I'm in the same position. Yes. But the other day, the Raoul came up to me and was sort of asking advice on how would I, um, what's the best way to warm up my voice? And what's the best? And I remember asking those questions to my Phantom. Mm. So it's quite, it's it's quite bizarre. I did it in 2010 and now 12 years later, I'm back playing the man himself. And it's it's, yeah, it's, it's one of those moments. Going okay, just accept it. I'm now the dad roles. I'm now the older man roles. I'm uh, I'm those roles now because the <laughs> I'm looking at the roles and they're chiselled and they have the most incredible physiques and incredible voices. I was like, never in a million years will I ever play that. I'm happy to be the old man with the belly and the mask. <laughs>
3: You're maturing. You're maturing, Killian. Yes. And here's that, the, that's hey, the
2: best word, Jerry. Yeah, that's the word to keep. Oh yeah,
3: keep it. Keep that to the fore always. But here's the thing about the mask that people may not know: it is unique to each person yeah, who performs the role. And obviously, it's a bit of a, a an ordeal getting it fitted every night.
4: Yeah, it's so I have six of them, hmm. and they are. So here's a great story. So basically, in 2010. The show started in 1986 and all the way up in 2020, 2020, what you used to do to get fitted for your mask was you went off to a country retreat for three days. You packed a bag and you actually stayed with the guy who did the prosthetics for the elephant man. So you would go to his house and he would pour all of this plasticine over you and you'd be in it for three hours and he would do that over a weekend and straws up your nose and it was this huge process. So I would always hear about this man and these stories he would always tell and you'd be given wine and you'd go walking uh, across the hills in in his retreat. And I was like, this is amazing. I can't wait to do this. It'll be a lovely weekend away. It comes to going, you're getting your mask done on Friday. I was like, oh, wow, amazing. I'm so excited. Head to Oxford Circus and uh, can you be back here by four? And I was like, what? Where am I going? So you go into a 4D digital print house where a guy called Bob has a scanner and he sits you in a chair, puts a towel around your shoulders and he basically scans your head with like what looks like a scanning gun from like a, a, a supermarket. And he rotates your head and he does that. It takes about 15 minutes. And right in front of you, you see your head printing out on a 4d printer and he goes away with that and he measures the mask to that and the plasticine to that and about nine ten weeks later he comes in with six masks which are molded to my uh my Mm -hmm. face and it is amazing because you he always he's been doing it for since 1986 bob the makeup artist and he says you'll only ever want two but there's six there and he's so right there are two masks that fit me perfectly and another four where if i go oh i'm missing a mask i just get chucked one but it is there's two there's one that i always use and it it's just it's like your favorite pair of socks it just mm. sits right on my head and doesn't go anywhere and uh, yeah i and, and it's it's molded to allow the prosthetics uh, room to breathe which yeah. is amazing so if i was to do a rehearsal without the prosthetics the mask would fall off my face in the middle of the tech rehearsal. Right. But I have, once I have the prosthetics on, the mask just sits on it and holds there. It's this incredible design. Uh, and everyone always asks, how does it happen? Is, is it a little strap that you tie around the back of your head? But it is, it's It's quite like the magic of theatre, the way it just sits on your face. Yeah,
3: and takes time to be fitted as well. Well, 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 weren't we so proud of you as the Queen celebrated our birthday? And there you were in front of
4: Unreal. Buck Palace. <laughs> unreal, unreal. The amount of texts I was getting, like when you come off from something like that, you are usually getting in the texts of "Oh, well done, so proud, well done." I was just getting people going. Well, you heading to the party afterwards? Well, is she in? Well, did you meet her? What's she like? And it was, it was, it was like three days of rehearsals. We because it was a, a sort of a cut down version of what we did, uh, of what we do in the show, and we had to rehearse it uh, on a Friday at Buckingham Palace and then on the Saturday the day before uh, we had to change the blocking because the stage would have Hamilton performing as well as well as Jason Donovan and Joseph they were all there so they actually rearranged where we would be which worked better for us and uh yeah you kind of things like that are nerve-wracking when if, if they said, OK, Jerry, you're going to do your your lunchtime show. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, not a bother. But you're going to do it at this specific time on this day in about six months. and um, Everyone is going to be watching and listening. So you so everything is heightened where you're going, I've done this every day. I'm able to say mm-hmm. I know the words, but suddenly English becomes a second language where you're going, am I saying the right words? Is it the phantom of the opera or is it the opera of the phantom? Which is so you're second guessing yourself all the time. But um, once it was over, we got backstage and uh, everyone was clapping and applauding and there were hugs and selfies being taken. But I didn't notice. But one of the hairpins that was in my head had actually like stuck into my skin behind my ear. So when I took the wig off, this little trickle of blood ah. came out behind my ah. ear. And I was like, oh, my God, I didn't even notice that. And that they were saying that's just the adrenaline going in. I didn't notice but, um, yeah, just the hairpin, just whatever way it, it, it stuck into the back of my head. Now, if that was in the middle of the show, I'd be putting <laughs> my hands up going, stop, stop, I'm bleeding. Like. Come on now. <laughs> but, it, but when you're in front of like, I think it was 70 million or whatever, they said, yes. you just keep going with it. It's- but my, my fiance was in the audience as well, watching the whole thing. So she sent me the video of me performing before I got off. So it was really, really quite mm, special.
3: The lovely Louise. And of course, I'm just thinking here, I could see the headlines. First Irish act to spill blood for the Queen of England, but uh, that'll be, uh, I'm sure, written someday by somebody. There you go. Um, there it is. <laughs> Louise, you got engaged, of course, and little Tighe, how is he?
4: good. They're over here with me in London. Tighe's just up having a nap now. We went to the park. And those things are amazing when... Like I'll do a show and Louise and Ty will usually be in Dublin and I come home and I, all I have here is the dog. So I'll take the dog for a walk and then I'm just really looking forward to getting home to them. But they've been here uh, since Monday and they're here for the next five weeks and it kind of changes your show. You go into work and you do it and nothing, the dramas that can happen uh, on stage or off stage don't really matter once you're just coming home to the family and we're just hanging out and everything relaxes and everything's easier when they're here Um, so yeah we're getting married October 22nd and uh, I still I still have to get a suit of course it'll probably be the last minute and uh, yeah we've all little bits and bobs to take care of but it's it's mad like I'm in the middle of music of the night on the West End stage the other day and I was like am I going with the olive suit or am I going with the navy I need to talk to Louise we need to actually finalise that night that's my brain
3: <laughs> 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 these are the things that these guys think of on stage and you're there full of attention and clued in and <laughs> he's trying to organize his life anyway Liam's working on the speech already just to let you know so uh, uh you know all, yeah. all, he's he's working on it. and i want to say hello to your dad Liam, and your mum miriam and all of the family there your dad is so good to us you know that and he, he he's your, oh, I call me your irish he's, agent
4: he's, a, after, he's my irish agent he's he's now um Qualified gardener because mm. as second Louise and Ty came over here, him and my mother were in our back garden just strimming uh, mm. cutting down trees, taking off all the all the foliage and everything. And so I got sent the video, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like so, it's 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 amazing. Like my mommy and daddy are still sorting out my life mm. backstage
3: never changes never changes and you remember that with little tiger and whoever else comes along (laughs) it'll be the same thing for you just before we finish and we're going to hear you in a few minutes as well performing from the show and how long are you there for what you always tell me you know that i expect to be here for so long what's happening long term for your even shorter medium
4: we have just, uh, we, since Monday, we have just put in a new cast. So I've already been there a year mm. and now I'm contracted to finish up at the end of January. Okay. But usually what happens come October, November is when they turn around and they go, well, do you want to stay for another six months? So you kind of just reanalyze where your life is and what you want to do. So as of now, I'm definitely there till the end of January. So right. you've still time to come over Jerry I have. And we'll get it I have
3: there. and I promise you we will and anybody else going to and London. And we'll talk
4: about who you flew with, <laughs> who, how you get to the airport, <laughs> where you're staying.
3: <laughs> and we'll uh, do a little bit on the dialect as well anyway.
4: Anywhere
3: <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, anyway uh, If you're in London I say it again To all our listeners He's one of our own We're so proud of him He's simply brilliant Go along and see The Phantom on the West End It's uh, happening uh, As you heard there From Monday to Saturday Isn't it Monday Saturday Yes are, are Monday sure? to Saturday are Two Thursday sure? Two yeah. Saturday And go and see And enjoy Killian Donnelly And the brilliant cast there I'm going to a quick break But afterwards We're coming back with you And you singing From the Phantom <laughs> as well God bless you. You're always kind to us. I wish yourself, Louise Tig, all the very best ahead of the big day on October the 22nd. And I'm sure we might get a word before then. Thank you, Gillian. Thanks, Jerry. Good to talk to you. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye.
5: Night time sharpens, heightens each sensation. Darkness stirs. And wakes imagination Silently the senses Abandon their defenses
4: Let the dream begin Let your dark side
3: Killian Donnelly and Music of the Night from Phantom of the Opera. What a marvellous interpretation. And I say it again about him. He is a star, Killian Donnelly. He really, really is. And yet in that stardom, he's the most ordinary, down-to-earth, likeable, lovable fellow that you'd ever meet in your life. And he's never forgotten where he's come from. He really hasn't and that's a great testament to him because he's top of his game on the West End in London starring in that musical and I'm always grateful that he... uh Gives us his time because he's very, very busy, I know, there at the moment. And we thank him again and wish him well. He is just a fantastic guy. He really, really is. And Louise, he's one of your own from the Royal County. God, you're top of the pops oh, now. everywhere. Yes, Winning all Ireland's and a man at odds. Oh, just a star on the the West End of London. he's a lovely, lovely fellow. And we wish them all well with the uh, nuptials coming up in October. Now, you have a story about a two-year-old coin for me, yes?
0: Yeah, Garthi have issued a warning Um, to... To the public, to be aware of fake two euro coins, following the seizure of almost fifteen hundred of them. It's two like, euro coins, fake. Terry, here's fifteen hundred. I desperate for a shopping trolley. <laughs> <laughs> I can
3: do me maths there. That's what three thousand euro. And um, I don't use the two euro coins. I'm a one euro or a twenty cent coin man when I go shopping. What does that say about me?
0: Ah, uh, you don't shop in Little or Aldi. That's true. <laughs>
3: that is true. And I I told you why, because I just go up that centre island, and go ballistic every time. Um, Yes, in Tesco, it's one euro, or 20 cent if you're wise on the Tesco trolley, isn't it? Yes. 20 cent will get you around.
0: With most of them. Some doesn't accept the 20 cent, but most of
3: It must be a sophisticated operation, because a two euro coin, like if they're, does it look like, have you seen a picture of it? Does it look like the real McCoy or is it? Yeah, they're
0: just saying, they saying that. They really it, look
3: like it, do they? They're
0: just saying the signs, they may display the following features. um, So they could be poor quality image on the detail different Mm. colour um, ring and the core edge lettering missing or incorrect (laughs) spelling different sizes different thickness uh, different weight but (laughs) how are you going to know that like you're just going to hand over two euro here for a cake sale or for you know
3: yes yes the
0: child going to school looking for a a sponsorship for something here's two euro I wonder now
3: who is at this it doesn't sound like a sophisticated massive operation but still child
0: forgers (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> As I said to you, I've into a, a shop with c- 10 of them and three of them and four of them. You're looking at
3: a child forger here. You're looking at one.
0: <laughs> you did what? Forge. I was a child
3: forger. A coins or notes? Myself and Paddy Carr. Hello, Paddy. Had a business together. <laughs> business? Yes, in forging coins. Yes, yes, we had for a time till we were caught. You see, when the O'Reilly's Club opened on the North Road in Drahada, I may have told this before, they had pool tables, but it was... I think it was one of those big kinds, it might have been twenty P, a big twenty P coin to play. Oh, yeah. And With when you were on, when you it. were us, when you were us, we hadn't a shilling. You know, we couldn't play the pool. So Paddy was an ingenious man. He still is. He got made a mould, a timber mould, the size of the t- the 20p silver coin. And he had lead. We melted the lead. We melted it to molten lead. Where did he get and- the lead from? Oh, never mind. We got the lead. We got it anyway. And we <laughs> melted it and poured it. This was sophisticated. Poured it into the timber moulds and made the coins. Used with the exact same Brilliant. depth and size as the 20ps. And we were playing pool for a month <laughs> (laughs) Uh, the band until the man came to empty the pool machine and when he took the box out it (laughs) nearly broke his foot with the weight (laughs) of the lead bang it hit his foot he was hopping around and the next thing there was an investigation and we were barred (laughs) (laughs) we ordered to reverse it though no, thankfully. So sure, what could we reimburse? We could have <laughs> given them a block of lead and they could've melted more down. We hadn't a penny. Uh, <laughs> so hey. you're talking to one of the original child forgers <laughs> along with Mr. Patrick Carr Esquire from the North Rolling Drive. There you go. I, I hope he's good at I pool ad- after all that. Oh, we weren't bad now. We weren't bad. But you sure, once we could play it was great. Sure, it was all in the uh, innocence, but uh, didn't go. Th- down too well in the O'Reilly's Club at the time, I can tell
0: you. <laughs> he love incense.
3: <laughs> oh, yes. All is forgiven at this stage. Late lunch, <laughs> LMFM Radio, this Midway Wednesday afternoon. Up next, we're talking to Oliver Bradley about a new mantra he intends to live for the rest of his life. My next guest is a friend of mine on social media and he's well known in uh, County Loud and beyond as Ollie B. And when I uh, came across this last week, uh, it really had an impact on me and I know many others. And let me just quote. uh, Oliver says, I really like what is said here and I'm going to try my best to follow it. Thank you to the person who wrote this and what follows is so interesting if you're approaching your golden years I'm talking about 60 and beyond and the man himself Oliver Bradley is on the line hello Ollie
1: hello Jerry. how are
3: you I'm good thank you for joining me on the show can I ask you first off um, where did you come across these words of wisdom and whose are they
1: well Jerry, I can't make any claim to the post as well or the words um, in July of last year I turned 60 and just prior to that, uh, um, we had COVID, but we were in the middle of it. And I came across it on social media in one of the Facebook posts. And I read it as something I copied and pasted into a Word document. And from then to now, I sort of, each time I go in, I seem to find something different in it. As something maybe a month later or a week later from when I would last read it, that I find something different in it. And I tend to tweak it a wee bit uh, in line with what my mind is taking at the time in relation to what I'm seeing in front of me. And I find that it's been something that, especially as we were in COVID and we were locked, we weren't getting out and about, and um, our whole world had changed. Uh, people were literally prisoners in the house, especially those living alone, and um, with nobody to come to them their families or were able to get out. And it just resonated on me there from reading through it. And then it took a reflection of my previous 60 years and said, I have no idea what lies ahead of me.
3: Yeah, well, so so
1: words, uh, give me give me a fair idea of what I should look for as I move forward.
3: Yeah, and and like people know you you're a very uh, genuine man. You're a man of faith. I want to say as well. And I talked to you before about Medjugorje. And w- what I find is interesting in this that f- for a man you know like you that in even in this it, it, it has brought more to your life. What's the reaction been? It, it, uh, like I, it caught my attention. It, it's caught obviously a lot of other people's interest as well.
1: Yeah, I, I had it, to Jerry, I was reading it one of day, one of my friends was something, he says, what are you reading? And he's just touching 60, and I gave him a read of it. And he oh, goes, that's lovely, so you should post that on Facebook. And I put it on Facebook, on my own page. And I got a reaction to it, I even someone suggested I should put it in another Facebook group, hmm. I'm on, which I did. I just copied and pasted it. And I've got, publicly and privately, i got a huge reaction Yes, from and wide, from all over the world, people that are over age, but also surprisingly, young people, mm. 15, 16 contacted me and said, we never thought of our granddad in this way. We never thought of life in this way. We, did, we were so busy with our lives. Yes. So we wouldn't, didn't think that like, dad or granddad, whatever the case is, we weren't looking at it from that point of view. Mm. And you have opened their eyes so it has been a very mixed, mixed reaction it has been made and females, as I say from all over the world. But a lot of people have said to me, there, and I've had a lot of private conversation and words of thanks, just the fact that I posted it, mm. that they themselves, as I fled I tweaked it just with me, they don't have to look at it in their own way and for all reasons. And they've got great comfort out of it. That. It's great advice and a great mm, idea going forward.
3: That's wonderful to hear. And it's great to hear that it, it resonates through the ages, from young right through as well. Look, w- w- there's a number of pointers made in this. I'm sure we wouldn't have the time to go through the whole lot of them. But would you pick out a couple for me in particular that resonate with you, Ollie?
1: Well, one of the ones I would take is that like, I would be letting some things get to me. Mm. and I would get so down with the them one thing or and I realised that, you know, at the end of the day, in a week's time or a month's time, they don't really matter. Mm. And instead of getting so fussed up about and then we at all these little things, value what you do have today. If COVID taught us nothing, we didn't place the value of a lot of things, even the simple things of the people we saw each day. Now you couldn't see them unless you had Zoom or Microsoft Teams or somebody to see it. but you personally couldn't meet them, you couldn't get your hugs from your grandchildren. So those wee small things... Being able to see somebody each day and say, hello, how's your day going?
5: Yeah. I'm
1: meeting somebody on the street and saying, well, you know, what's the crap with you today? That mm. type of things we take for granted and have taken for granted, including myself. And Another simple wee things as well is like newspapers and the news and that. And like I have gotten into a habit that I just take a quick Skype through, maybe Google or something, and that's how I watch the news. I've stopped doing that. I've actually started going back to reading newspapers. And the simple reason of that is that what it's doing is giving me an insight into what other people are seeing the world as in a much deeper way. And then they really read it. But I'm also able to take language we previously previously uh, nearly forgotten because a lot of the stuff that's been typed nowadays is all hyphenated. And yes. instead of saying you, why or you? the letter you. So it's good to start reading and then actually coming across words such. You know, I haven't seen that written down anywhere for a long time. Mm. i started bringing it into my own vocabulary, and any time I've started writing letters to people as well, and even if I am listening to somebody, I'm using words I've forgotten about, mm. you know, and then I'm putting them in, and then I feel they're of a value and appropriate uh, sentence whatever I'm writing.
3: Yes, and and you know you know that first one you mentioned there, I just want to come back to that because driving into work today, I saw two people, and they were grandparents, I would say, and they had two children with them. And they were walking down the road, Ollie, and both of them were on the phone, the two of them and the two children with them. And I was just thinking, you know when you're out and about like that, and I'm not trying to be critical in any way, but I am drawing their attention to our people's attention. You're right. You know, put the phone away. put it, Don't have it dominating. Say hello to people. Greet them. Understand what's happening around you.
1: The thing is they're like I've watched their couples in a bar for example and they're sitting there and the two of them are sitting on the phone. Mm-hmm. They're not talking to each other. Yep. You know and they're sitting with families as well, they're not talking to each other they're sitting in groups, are not talking to each other. They're too busy on the phone, they're too busy doing this. And they're simply even the crack of going to the pub when there was no phones. You always had a crack, you always had a yep. You know we'd share a joke with you, a song or something or something you you know. There's none of that happening.
3: Well, I'll tell you, I'll be there this evening, Ollie, and I'll tell you, there will not be a phone inside and we'll be, we'll, be, we'll be sorting out the nation and everything yes. beside because I'm all for, as you know, chat and yes. conversation. Can I mention one to you from, from this list that really uh, resonated with me? And I, I, it's this, laugh, laugh away your worries. I think laughter, it's always been said, is the best medicine. And I try to laugh as much as I can, Ollie, every day.
1: Well, that's something I encourage to do. Um, and it actually came about, it's 2012, um, um, an Arden Dundalk football uh, supporter of the team. Yeah. And we were in bad shape, as a lot of people know. We got a lot of help from other teams, and all was always great for them. And publicly, I want to thank everybody that helped dog through those times. But there was a group of us got together to our same club and we were trying to keep the club afloat mm. and I remember when we were getting together some people were a bit tired of one thing or another and I was humming away a wee song to myself it's the Bob Marley song you know Three Little Birds baby don't worry you know about a because every little thing going to be alright and one other guy is Maxi Mark, a lot of people know that uh, from London Maxie's picked up and he said, you know yes. what That's a wee anthem we should all use and pick ourselves up. And it's actually now become the club anthem. But it's actually done simply more just like, come with every little thing, going to be all right. And when I do reflect on some of the things that in my time, I took all in times of trouble and everything else. And I think that we saw to myself, well, I find all of a sudden in a better form. I find all of a sudden the trouble that it is there. It might be something, yes, I have to deal with it. It might be a bill or something I have to pay but the whole thing where it got me under pressure and it's not we anxiety about it, it's happening. me. I'm not feeling so much about better Well, you know what? The bill in sort of self It's like everything else when I'm gone. Sure, the bills will be to
3: be paid. Yes, and it and, you makes know, you <laughs> happy and smile. I can hear that. The other thing, you know, we're all told as we age to try and be as healthy as we can. But you know what I love in this? It says, without great physical effort, do moderate exercise. You know, you don't have to be going to the gym and doing two hours morning and night, Ollie.
1: No, you don't have to be doing that, Gerry. And I say a lot of people there were basically nearly imprisoned in their homes through COVID and that there. And with the anxiety and stuff that built in people that don't go away and everything else. And I'd be encouraging people, okay, even just to go walk, go around the shop and buy the paper. Mm. Even to go for a walk in the park, get out there. Because you've sat long enough in the house. Covid restricted us from doing lots of things we'd love to do and things we took for granted. So now it's the time that we're coming out of it and everything else. And I, the, the nights are getting a wee bit brighter and I, before they start drawing, in, get out there, get into the lovely bath, smell the flowers, you know, watch the children play, go watch a bit of football if you like football, watch the children. Like I look looking, I went to a Football the today, and watch young players under eleven playing football. Mm. It took me back to my day when I was that age. And I was going, "My God, how the time has flown from when I was that age to where I am now." Yes. time literally does fly. So when you're looking back, thankfully now I haven't too many things I can look back on and uh, and say, "God, you know, that's terrible. That was terrible. That me, that was terrible." I haven't got that. Yeah. You know, and also say I laughed, and as well as that, I wasn't a person ever held a grudge because I felt a grudge was something that like would poison you. And you know. Like like poison, if you don't forgive and forget and move forward with your life, it just sticks with you and brings you down. So I just told them and to say to myself, you know, there's a lot of people out there living through an awful lot worse than I gone through. And you know what life experiences that I have, I've valued friends. And through that I get a lot of peace and, and I get people who come in and send me a wee prayer and say, so When you get a wee prayer, send me a magic mori and I started off getting a wee I get a wee paper. Now it's built up to a book because my prayer list is built up that much. Yeah. And my brother, fortunately, he's a sacristan. I'd be going to church and I'd be talking to Ellie and I'd say, will you add this person's name and that person to the list? And we were just looking at it the and it's gone, literally, it's gone to a, a book. I know someday one of the pages, somebody will be sending it to me, but for me, it would be with my name on it. So I know at some stage I'll have to meet them out of Mm. But I'm prepared for it. Mm. I'm prepared for it now because I look back at my past, I look what the wrongs were in my life. And if I ever offended anybody, please forgive me because it was never intended. And I apologize directly to you. But I ought to turn around and say to you, looking forward is I want to be stuck in the house. I don't want to be doing things sitting down there watching just all television. I don't want to be stuck on the phone going through the social media, just pick it up and have a wee look through it down again. Quite down Quite down. Watch the football matters. Go to the bands. Go to the discos. Even if you have
3: fifty or sixty or seventy, yes, yeah, I go to the discos. Of all, <laughs> I'm picturing all, yeah. an Leanne. and you're right. You are right. But some of the other things, just to briefly mention, you know, uh, spend your money. You know, enjoy the money you have. That's in there as well. Keep love alive. Stay up to date, as you mentioned. Yeah. Don't abandon your hobbies. Develop new ones. Uh, and yeah. you said it there. If you're offended by someone, do forgive them, and expect the same in return. Look, I. I, I I'll have to finish up the morning. I want to ask you a couple of things here. Are you committed to this now going forward?
1: Terry, well, since I've actually picked it up, as I said, last year before my 60th birthday, I've been reading it fairly regularly. And yes, I've been tweaking it as my life's been moving on each week, each month. And the answer to your question is yes, I am. Because every time I pick it up I seem to find something different yes I seem to me mine they seem to adapt it in a different way and then as I said I've other words have to start to come to my head since I started reading the newspaper again. Yeah. and I might take a word out of it and put a word into it and I said these words aren't mine I have no idea who wrote them but I am very thankful for getting them I'm very thankful that they were shared, and I was able to pick up on them. And I do laugh, laugh, laugh. And I do enjoy my life, and I have my other days now, where I had the blessing of children and the blessing of grandchildren. So now I want to strive to be a blessing to everybody that knows me. Good on you.
3: Good on you, Ollie. And listen, people can see this. You've posted it again. I know I've been looking at it on Facebook. Oliver Bradley.
1: That's correct. I'm not wanting to do it, and I don't want to send you me messages. I have got that money. I haven't opened because I haven't been replying to them. All. That's how many's coming in, but I will get ready to replying them. I promise you that.
3: Great stuff, Ollie. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. And just for you, here it is. And everybody listening, <laughs> listen to the words. God bless, you, Ollie.
1: Maybe we don't call you
3: politics. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye. What are you saying to me about Emmerdale?
0: It's 50 years. 50? This, this month. Is it? Yeah. I was just asking you if you ever, ever, ever watched it. No. Never.
3: There's a place called the Wool Pack, is there in it?
0: Yeah, it used to be called Emmerdale Farm. It and was. then I think they dropped the farm so that they could appeal to the urban I think, people.
3: I think the Green Party were behind that. Yeah. <laughs> Dropping at the farm.
0: Well you just I I just remember I haven't watched it in years, but I remember the real good characters in it were a fella called Amos, who used to run the pub, and Seth. There was a fellow with handlebar whiskers. Seth. Was that him? I think his name was Armstrong. They were brilliant.
3: So it's fifty.
0: Fifty. And, and it, it used to be very light hearted and But what comedic, is it now? Now it's kind of
3: Sex and drugs and rock and roll.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like, murders, lot of murders.
3: Imagine that. Sex on a farm. Good God almighty, isn't that shocking? What's the world coming to? It's
0: only the lambs. <laughs> <and> the cattle.
3: <laughs> the AI man. <laughs> Once oh. the AI man's around,
0: you're elected.
3: <laughs> uh, what do you call it? Anyway, 50. Congratulations, yeah. Emmerdale, on 50 years. It's an- amazing
0: how it went kind of full circle. What was Neighbours before it was axed?
3: How many years? Did that
0: even make 30
3: 30, was it? I was think thirty it? or thirty something years. It probably was before it was like. Any Emmerdale fans out there? Well, look at the soaps you have now in the evenings. You have a choice. If Emmerdale is still on, yeah. Coronation Street is still mm-hmm. on. EastEnders is there. Mm-hmm. What else? There's one on Channel Four. What was the name? Hollyoaks. Is that still on? Yeah. And that's your soaps, is it? That's it. About. I Think so.
0: Sorry. Alley- oh, there's the one on City. Fair City. Yeah, Fair the Irish City. one.
3: Excuse me. Fair City is there years and years as well. Why do people watch soaps?
0: It's a bit like asking you why you watch Love Island. You just get hooked. Do you? Yeah. Mm. And then you follow the storylines. Isn't that it? I have to say, though, if you look at, say, Coronation Street and then switch over to EastEnders, whatever is the set, the set as always looks bleaker and greyer in EastEnders. does it? Mm.
3: Mm. Uh, neighbors, we've I been think. told, thirty-five years old. There, th- neighbors, was Thank you, Paula, for that. For that one, just to clarify. Yeah, I suppose it's something I never. Do- I know Coronation Street had. You know, when you go back, it is the mammy and daddy of uh, of um, uh, soap operas. I would say. Yeah. Because it it was the original. Was the that fifty
0: station. or sixty recently? Oh,
3: it's a good they age. Had a, as sixty, well. I think. Oh, somebody be. else will tell us that. Oh eight six yeah. eighteen hundred six five eight. by still WhatsApp have, or
0: text. Uh, is it Bill Roach? that his Gosh, name? He was listen. 90 recently and he's still on it. He'll be there
3: preserved. They'll preserve him. They'll mummify him and he'll still be in it. Great and head of hair. Reza. Reza. <laughs> you know Riza. <laughs> She's with great. Reza's and the other one, Audrey. You see, I know a few names. Yeah, and you know, secretly was I have, I have to say, no, listen, I used you to are. do Soap Watch with jay Mar Maher on your late lunch many moons ago yeah. and jay Ann educated me, you see, every Friday. and of course, I loved Gail. Gail in Coronation Street. Yeah. Why? Was my favourite. Don't know. Just loved Gail. <laughs> was it her
0: hairstyle? Hasn't just changed lo- in about just 50 loved, years.
3: Always loved Gail and always do. Yeah, yeah Gail was my one in that. So, you know, uh, Jeanne used to keep me in the picture with the soaps uh, and I say hello to her today. Uh, and, uh, that, but when I lost track then, when Jeanne stopped doing the soaps, I sort of lost track a bit. But I have bits and pieces in my mind. My mother used to love Coronation Street and she used to watch it. And, and do you remember Crossroads?
0: No. Benny in Crossroads with the little black hat. I yeah, don't know, I know Crossroads. So.
3: Crossroads that's Motel. It was. You know. Did you remember? then dun, 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 oh, dun to Sing. Dun, 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 <laughs> dun. You know the, that's. I remember that music was around tea time as well. That was another soap. But sure. Are
0: you sure that
6: was the theme tune? I, I, I'm. That sounds <laughs> like gonna have to, I'm
3: gonna. <laughs> 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 I'm gonna have to dig out that theme tune now. Do you know what we'll do? no Friday you know Friday what happens on Friday 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 so there's a big clue for Friday because already you won't even have to guess it on Friday and you won't
0: have to sing it
3: and I'll have to repeat what I did there I'll take this clip out and play it and then we'll play the thing and you can laugh at me then she's always <laughs> laughing at me but what did I say <sighs> laughter what did I say to Ollie laughter is the best medicine Louise it really really is definitely is, is. <laughs> anyway are we heading to news or have we still time to, to uh, annoy the listeners more no, no
0: you have still a little bit of time to annoy okay. the listeners the, more by telling them the what's <laughs> coming up after, after no, the
3: news no no tell them about the Bitcoin fella the fellow we were talking about a couple of months ago who lost a Bitcoin worth a much huge money 150
0: million I think yeah, it was earned. worth
3: massive money this Bitcoin
0: he threw out the wrong hard drive he did but now nine an years later there's an update isn't there he's been looking for it for nine years and he yeah. eventually got um, permission to go in with um, AI people and robots and um, look for it on site of the landfill
3: Yes, yes. Gail oh. is the mother in law of Poison Ivy. They're flying in here on. They? they love their soap you it's see in Lady Lansdowne. And Jerry, 1960 Coronation Street began, and I've been watching it since, a listener. There you go. Good onion. Michael was in touch to congratulate uh, Sharon at Our Lady of Lourdes Hospital in Drogheda for her excellent service this morning. She sa- He said she was just brilliant. He says, and you don't hear this a lot, and he just wanted to pass on his thanks to Sharon and all at the hospital for looking after him uh, this very day. Louise, we got our knuckles wrapped. We forgot a couple of soaps that we should have mentioned, didn't we?
0: We did. We forgot the Reardons and we forgot
3: Glen Rowe, hmm, the Reardons, Irish soaps of yesteryear and of renown. You have particular memories of Rowe.
0: Well, actually... I- I kind of want to forget Row because it always heralded school the next day. It was always where in the world, Row and then bed. Although <laughs> when Miley had his wicked way in the hay with um, Fidelma, I think her name was. I don't think I think it was bed before Glenrow. <laughs> I don't think my father let us watch it after that. It was where in the world, bed. <laughs> <laughs> and then school the next day. So yeah, I that's kind of Glenroe always good was the build up to school. Imagine
3: if he was watching Love Island <laughs> <laughs> You need an defibrillator, <laughs> Anyway, uh, yeah, th- isn't it funny, the memories you have yeah. on Sunday evening, that was it, you were bed and then school the next day afterwards. Yeah, but they were huge. And the mini reared and Batty, the whole lot of them, they were <laughs> something else. There's a lady's been on to us to say, I watched all of the episodes of Crossroads recently. I used to watch it as a child and she's watched them all again. There oh, you wow. are. Isn't it? that just uh, amazing? It really, really is. But uh, soap memories indeed, huge followings they have. Have. they they certainly do and i'm sure they always will oh
0: and as um p matthews just remind us bracken was in the middle of them
3: it was that was one that ran for a shot. gabriel Bourne was in that wasn't he in bracken he right. was I and think dinny
0: was. started in that and dinny he?
3: started in that as well oh the role in the hay with fidel Sure, was national news no, it was didn't. condemned from the <laughs> pulpit <laughs> what were we like Backward people. Honest to God, we were, we were, we were back then. In some ways and in other ways, well, they were innocent times. <laughs> Let's move on at Late Lunch today and return to my artist of the week, who you know is Miss Cilla Black. So how did Black become white? Early on, you see, in her career, Cilla featured in the Mersey Beat, a local Liverpool music newspaper who referred to her erroneously as Cilla Black. Cilla loved it. So much so that she decided to keep the name as her stage name. Her manager, Brian Epstein, well, renowned for the Beatles, but he was still his manager too, died of an accidental drug overdose in August 1967. And at that stage, her then boyfriend and future husband, Bobby Willis, took on managing duties with Scylla. This change coincided with a significant uplift in her career, which in truth had been flagging on Epstein's watch. Four top 10 hits followed from 68 to 71, a weekly TV series on the BBC, and her closeness to the Beatles also opened many doors of opportunity. And indeed that TV series uh, was prime time viewing and ran from 1968 to 1976 And subsequently uh, You might not know this The BBC offered Scylla the opportunity To take over from Bruce foresight On the generation game But she actually declined it Uh, there you go as her recording career uh, wound down and the TV work lulled an appearance on Wogan that was your show Wogan 1983 was a big moment for Scylla as she was subsequently approached by LWT London Weekend Television and became the host of two of the most popular entertainment shows of the 80s and 90s Blind Date and surprise surprise I'm sure you remember it well a lot of you more about Scylla life and times tomorrow as today I give you Miss Black's second big UK number one single
2: The Late Lunch Artist of the Week
0: Artist of the Week With your hand
6: resting in my.
3: can't beat the big ballad really you can't yes and i want to dedicate that one to jerry and una ward from Kilmainham Wood who were married 57 years ago today and that comes in from all the ward family congratulations to you both talkerow We didn't mention it either. Another one of them soaps. Peyton Place is another one I remember. A fella called Rodney, I think, used to be the star of that one. That was many moons ago when I was a little fella. I used to hear it. It was on there in the background, but there are many, many more besides. Thank you indeed to everybody who's been in touch with us on the show. We love your company every afternoon.
6: the ice cream van if you want to buy a lolly come as quickly as you can if you'd rather have an ice you will find they're very nice just hurry up and buy one from the ice cream man would you rather have yes
3: we haven't got the ice cream man with us today but we certainly certainly have the woman with the ice cream vans i'm delighted to say hello again to caroline smith hi caroline
6: Hi, Jerry, How's
3: it going? I just thought of that from Trumpton many years ago, and I said I'll play this on the way in. Uh, (laughs) You're showing your age. Yeah, I am, I am. It's shocking, isn't it? It really is. Anyway, I I always show my age when I see ice cream and ice cream vans because it's the love of our lives from our small till all ages. Tell us this. We saw a story in, in the papers over the weekend that ice cream van owners are finding it tough at the moment. How tough is it?
6: Uh, look, it's it's not too bad. I think the toughest thing we're finding is the increase in prices of everything, you know, from the diesel through to our stock that we buy, our ice cream, or cones, our flakes, everything. Like, the, the, the increases are just multiple. Um, I've had three increases alone this year on, on my products. And mm. um, then we all know what the, what the price of the diesel is like at the moment. Like, it's crazy, you know?
5: Yeah.
3: How many vans have you on the road?
6: I have six out working at the moment, Okay. uh, keeping us busy.
3: Yeah, but uh, you had, uh, it's true to say or fair to say, is it, that during Covid times it it was good to you because uh, people were confined and you were the people bringing the ice cream to us
6: yeah look initially with the COVID and the lockdown at the start we lost a good few months but once we yeah. got the okay to go out and everything yeah people were stuck at home and I guess they had nothing to do so they bought ice cream <laughs> thank god you know because that was the only place we could sell it at that stage
3: what is it about the tinkle of the van that just every time I hear it still and look at my age I still smile when I hear
6: why is that I think it brings out the kid and everybody, yeah. Jerry, and especially the men, in mm. my experience, to say the least. <laughs> well.
3: Uh, I am one of those, for sure. I have to put my hands up and say it. But look, with six vans, it's a big responsibility. You're using a lot of diesel, as you say, when you're uh, supplying those vans with all that's needed to produce the lovely ice creams and everything else. Beside, it ain't easy. You know, they're saying that, you know, things are going to get perhaps a little tougher. When you hear things like that, does it worry you?
6: Yeah, look, it makes you think twice. I suppose one thing I did this year that I haven't done in a very long time is go through figures early in the season to see how we're doing, you know, to compare to previous years. And mm. it's a bit scary, to say the least, when you look at the overheads. But I mean, I had that motto, just you've got to get on with it. We're in this business a long time at this stage, been yeah. through a lot of different problems. So, you know, we just keep going and hopefully everything will iron itself out somewhere along the line.
3: You have to pass on increases. Like, you can't c- absorb them, you know, or continue to absorb them. You know, what What? What are the public, you know, feeling about that? Does anyone remark it to you or do they just get along and get their ice cream and that's it?
6: Well, look, we haven't upped our prices oh, this right. year at all. Okay. Because I didn't, we didn't feel it's fair to the customer to be throwing it on to the customer, you know? Like, eventually, maybe we won't have a choice, but at the moment, we're bearing the brunt of the extra costs and, look, hoping with any look, things change and, and it goes the other way and, and prices come back down again. You know, mm. the just started to drop back a little bit, so fingers crossed you know
3: well done to you well done to you to do that you're one of the few that are at the moment you know because prices i don't to tell you they've gone up all round left right and center with most yeah. o- other things and that is really heartening to hear but look if it comes to the day it comes to the day and look at none of us it'll, it'll begrudge you uh, paying the extra few cents what's still the number one served out across the counter most popular what is it
6: I have to know the answer to that, (laughs) Geraldine. Ninety-nine will be, and always was. And and you know
3: the additions to it—the little, uh, the sprinkles, or the 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 different flavors of uh, sauce or whatever on it. Anything uh, does that add to it, or is just the plain uh, cone with the flake in it is still the best and number one popular.
6: Oh, well, they all like a bit of strawberry or raspberry syrup on it, all right. That would be the popular topping to go along with it. Not like me, I like it plain. No
3: syrup, just ice cream and a flake. me and you two singing off the one sheet, you can't (laughs) beat it as the plain. But there are so many different flavour options today. And weather-wise, you know, when you see, we had a good spell there recently, when you get the the, the inclement weather or the cloudy weather or a bit of rain here and there, I'd say you can see it then, can you, in, in business?
6: Yeah, you can. And it's funny, actually, you know, you think in Ireland we'd be all used to the bitter rain. But mm. for some reason, when Irish people see rain, they run inside gone and there's <laughs> nobody out. But yeah, touch wood, well, it hasn't been too bad this year so far. You know? Ah,
3: there you go. Anyway, listen, good to hear from you. Just wanted to touch uh, base with somebody locally to get a feel for what's going on. The ice cream vans are in your area. When you hear the tinkle of the bells, get out and support them. Thank you, Caroline, as always. Thanks.
6: Thanks, Sherry. Have a good one. Take you care. You too.
3: Bye-bye. That's Bye. Caroline Smith there, the ice cream van lady with six vans on the road. Tomorrow on Late Lunch, Brendan Lawler is with us. Terrific golfer. Big golfing event coming up. He's going to tell us about Nikki Kyle's here to take us through August in the Organic Garden and sunflowers. We're visiting a sunflower farm. Mr Tom Dillon will be with us. is back tomorrow and more besides me. Selton Louise will be here too. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with The Drive. Have a lovely evening. We'll see you then. LMFM
2: podcasts with CNC carpets. We bring the showroom to you or book a new showroom appointment on
1: 087-660-4237. 1000000s of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds.
2: Right at home.
6: Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
4: Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret